from Studio One at the worldwide headquarters of ESPN and from Studio HD in Atlanta, Georgia, this is Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, and on Sirius XM Channel 80. It was an incredible season. It was an incredible tournament. It was one of the wildest college basketball season for men and for women that we've ever experienced. And we wake up today with the champion on the women's side in LSU, a champion on the men's side with UConn, and a whole fan base of college basketball diehards looking around saying, holy you-know-what, what a ride. It actually lived up to all the expectations. It's Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80. Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz, presented by Progressive Insurance. And, uh, Harry, we're going to grow the Wolfpack by one. We're going to get somebody that uh, experienced this ride firsthand this year. Jaime Jaquez, UCLA All-American forward, joining us on the show right now. Jaime, really appreciate it. Uh, it was such a just a wild college basketball season. Uh, how long does it take you after the season is over to sort of compartmentalize all of it and look back on it and reflect on what you accomplished? Oh, man, that's a great question. Um, for me, I feel like it happens pretty fast. Um, you know, as soon as as soon as soon the season's over, uh, you kind of ask yourself, well, what do I what do I do now? What's my next step? And, and, and for me, I think it's a little different. You know, I've done four years here, um, and, it, it, you know, it's coming to an end. And it just t- it takes time to reflect on, on what I've accomplished and all the memories that I've had with all my friends. And it's just it's just been a great ride overall. What was it like playing for UCLA? You look at all the history and John Wooden and Lou Alcindor and what those guys were able to do, Lucius Allen and Bill yeah. Walton. What was it like playing for that university? Oh, it was incredible, man. You just there's so much history and so much tradition here. And um it's just it's just it, it's hard to describe. You you're here in a fraternity of such great basketball history and as a player here, you just try to live up to that expectation that's been set before you, and um, it, it's been a great it's been a great journey. It's been there's been challenges, but it's been it's been fun. I wouldn't trade it for anything. I always think it's interesting, Jaime, because we talk so much when we're sitting in front of microphones about the future of the Pac-12 and expansion and who's going to go where and what what the future looks like for yeah. USC and UCLA going into the the Big Ten. Uh, how much do you guys, being in the program, talk about what's next in the future and, and those sorts of things? Uh, yeah, well, me and myself being an older guy, I'm not going to be able to see the transition, but, um, I was talking to the younger guys. Um, it's going to be different for sure. I mean, I understand why the transition, a lot of this stuff has to do with money, but I think it's going to be great exposure for, for the new guys coming in to play on such a, such a big stage because Pac-12 doesn't get all the national attention that I think it deserves, but going to the big 10 with transition, there's going to be a lot more games on national television. They're going to get a lot more exposure for these guys and, um, I think it's going to be great, great for these guys. They're going to have a lot of fun doing it. Take us through moments of fun that you guys were able to have on, you know, your UCLA basketball team. Who was the funniest person? What are some things that y'all did to kind of break the ice? Because when you do have freshmen come in, you know, everyone's not ready for the moment, but you kind of want to welcome those guys in and break the ice a little bit, have fun with them. So what are some of the things that you guys were able to do? And also, who was the funniest person on your team? Uh, we got a lot of candidates for funniest person on the team. I think, I think Mac Antian's up there, David Singleton, Adem Bona, Jalen Clark are some of the guys that stand out to me on just being being absolutely hilarious. And uh, um, I guess for for young guys coming in, uh, we, I like to have a lot of guys over at my house or my apartment, I should say, and, and we always just hang out, play video games, listen to music, and 
and really just try to get to know each other in the beginning of the year. I think our relationship um, really grew, grew from, from, from the beginning to the end. And uh, we, we really became a brotherhood of guys, and it's been, uh, it's been great. Now, obviously, you're a California native, but your family's from Guadalajara, and there's been a lot of conversation about representation for you as a Latino player in college basketball. What's it mean to be somebody that young kids can look up to and say, hey, he can do it, I can do it? Yeah, it's amazing. It's amazing just understanding, you know, that, that I can uh, represent something bigger than myself and um, um, really inspire and, and, and inspire change for, for an a ethnicity or a nationality and a group of people that um, doesn't really see themselves in the basketball in the basketball world. And so just to be that guy to really try to open doors and kick down doors um, and let people follow me is going to, it's going to be great. I can't wait to see what, what the basketball space looks like in the next 10 to 15 years and how diverse it's really going to get. So let's move off the court a little bit. If you look at your career, right, what's the best uh-huh. accomplishment that you've had off the court? Um, best accomplishment that I've had off the court, um, man. Uh, yeah, I think I think one of the things that I, I would say is um, my me and and my sister uh, and, and my family we got together with the Latino Association here at UCLA, and um, we're going to create a scholarship fund. Um, and I think that's something that I'm very proud of. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna try to help kids get uh, get get some scholarship money to come be able to come to UCLA. And uh, we're we're going to help with that. And I think that's something um, that's that's ho- I hold dear to my heart, and it's going to be going to be special. That's that's incredible. I mean, that's a, that's a heck of an accomplishment. Yes, like, it is. I mean, that's, <laughs> like the the amazing thing is it's the platform, right? Like it, when you think about yeah. the platform that UCLA specifically offers, and and even in a name image likeness world, like I mean, it feels like there's more and more opportunity for guys that come in and become stars at the college level to not just make an impact yeah. to, to you know people that see them on TV, but make actual real impact in the community. It feels like that's one of the side benefits of where we are in modern college basketball right yeah of course i mean i think it's just it's it's the um it's the growth we're able to really make a name for ourselves and and really have our own following rather than you know having to uh, wait to be a professional we can we can be able to start now at the college level and it's and it's really cool I mean, speaking of that, by the way, Takaya Modern Mexican uh, has joined forces with you and your siblings. Uh, the the Hawkes Bowl. Tell uh, what is what's in the Hawkes Bowl. I gotta know. Like, did you did you get to be part of the planning of what's in the Hawkes Bowl? Oh yeah, I was very yeah, I was very diligent in what I picked and very decisive in what I what ingredients were going to be in the bowl. Me and my sister, it was we had a fun day. We went down to the uh, down to the restaurant. We were in the kitchen. We were just trying all different ingredients and figuring out what we kind of liked and what we didn't and how we were going to curate the bowl. And um, it turned out great. We got a lot of things in there. Chicken tinga is the, is the standout for me. Um, we got rice, beans, lettuce, tortilla chips, um, salsa. There, there, there's a bunch. There, there, it, it, the list goes on. But you guys definitely got to go try it, guys. It's, it's amazing. I, I mean, Oh, you don't have to tell us twice. You're talking to two guys <laughs> who are as little as possible and skinny that love to eat I mean, on a consistent yeah. basis. Yeah, there ain't no doubt. Yeah. Uh, when you've got a bowl named after you, like, do you just take all your friends in there constantly? to make? Because like, I would. Like, if there was ever a Fitz Bowl yeah. somewhere, it'd be the required eating every day. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, we just um, – some of the guys, our, our dietitian, she's ordering us, uh, us some bowls tomorrow, so all the guys are going to get to try it. So I'm excited about that. 
Man, Jaime, That's congratulations on just the platform that you've had. And again, you can check those out. It's Kaya Modern Mexican, available for purchase now through April 16th at all locations. I mean, it's really cool to see the way you've used your platform, to way the way you've used your culture, your heritage, and who you are. And whatever comes next for you, we're rooting for you. I hope it. Uh, I hope it's everything you want, man. Thanks so much for hanging out with us. Well, hold on, hold on. Oh, wait, yeah, no, sorry, sorry. Harry, Harry's got no, more. I didn't know Harry had more. My fault. Because I'm going to potential uh, uh, petition for you to get a Head and Shoulders deal, man. I love when you have the hair hanging down <laughs> and flopping everywhere. I think you deserve a commercial, my man. Yeah, thank you, man. You know what? I, we we should we should talk about that. Someone get me in touch with them, and that that would be great. I would love to do a commercial. Jaime's <laughs> reps are all sitting here like, great. You just created more workforce on the show. Uh, <laughs> congratulations, brother. Can't wait to see what's coming next for you. Thanks for hanging out with us. Thank you so much. Yeah, you guys have a good one. Appreciate it. That's Jaime Hawkeyes, UCLA All-American forward. Uh, and uh, significant. I know we talk to him a lot about it, but uh, something that a lot of people don't know is that uh, it's been re- very rare for Latino uh, descendants to to make it to the NBA. Uh, so even when he decides to take that plunge, uh, I think he'd be the sixth player uh, to make that accomplishment happen. So all eyes will be on what he decides to do with his future. Fitz and Harry, presented by Progressive Insurance, your small business keeps you on the go. Progressive Commercial Insurance keeps your policy within reach with their easy-to-use mobile app. Learn more at ProgressiveCommercial.com. All right, coming up, I'm going to tell you one team whose ceiling is the Super Bowl. The Super Bowl. And when I say it, you're going to pull over, you're going to yell at your radio, and you're going to remind me they've never even been to the Super Bowl before. That could change this year. Tell you about it next. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio. Fitz and Harry, the podcast. We storm toward the NFL draft. So you ready for the draft? Let's get started. It's time to look at every team's ceiling. Like the ceiling can hold us. And every team's floor. This is Ceiling and Floor. The ceiling is the roof. On Fitz and Harry. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Series XM, Channel 80, presented by Progressive Insurance. Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz. Something new we're doing, getting you all the way up to the draft. We're taking a look at multiple teams in the NFL, two a day, one from the AFC, one from the NFC, and we will tell you for each of those teams, respectively, what their ceiling and their floor is. What's the best it could be? What's the worst? Harry, are you ready for this? Let's go. Devin, who we got first? The Detroit Lions. Oh, sugar snap peas. I'm ready for this one. You ready for this, Harry? Let's go. All right. Yeah, I'm just going to tell you straight out. I'm just going to take this right here. You know what the ceiling is for the Detroit Lions? You know Uh-oh, what the I'm, ceiling is I'm for the nervous. Detroit Lions? I'm nervous. Getting to the Super Bowl. Ooh. I'm telling you, the Eagles are taking a step back this year. They've gotten rid of like 337 players. Uh, Google it. That's pretty accurate. Uh, the Cowboys might or might not be better, but I mean, for all we know, Dak's going to continue to throw reckless interceptions all the time. The Packers stink now. I don't trust the Vikings. The 49ers uh, every single year seem to be using some guy we've never heard of at quarterback. And, uh, you know, I'm just I, I can find a fatal flaw to a bunch of these teams. The Lions had needs on the defensive side of the ball. They've addressed some of them, and I think they'll address more of them in the 
the draft. They're going to make the defensive side of the ball much, much better. Offensively, they were pretty good last year. Uh, they were right on the cusp of a playoff team. Now they take the big leap forward. They win their division, which gives them a shot at the Super Bowl. Ooh, for me, I think I the ceiling will that. be the NFC Championship game. Oh, okay. That's uh, not that. That's so not so, that so I'll go there for the ceiling. Just because when I look at the Philadelphia Eagles, and yes, they lost some people, but I think they kept their baseline people intact. You talk about Brandon Graham, Fletcher Cox, Jason Kelsey, uh, James Bradbury, also Darius Slade. Those baseline guys on your team uh, I think a very, very valuable. Plus, Jordan Davis, he's going to have to step up. N'Kobe Dean, two guys that are going to be able to replace two people that they lost at those two position groups. Also, you look at the draft and what they're going to be able to bring in. When it, You talk about the Detroit Lions. I think they got better secondary-wise. I mm-hmm. want to see what they're going to draft defensive line-wise. I love the addition of Marvin Jones Jr. coming back to Detroit. Jamison Williams should be healthy this year. Offensive line is intact. Also, their offensive coordinator is still there. So I'm looking forward to this team to win that division and also be uh, play some meaningful games in the playoffs. I, I love how aggressively they went out, too. I mean, Cam Sutton, C.J. Gardner-Johnson, like their secondary yep. is much better than it was, right? And I'm with you. Emmanuel Mosley as well. I think it is going to be genuinely interesting to see what they do in the draft. Now, if we both agree the ceiling is very high, uh, what's the floor? I feel like this is a really talented team, but they're still the Lions. So the floor feels like it's a seven-win team somehow because they're the Lions and they screwed it all up. But I, I, on paper, the floor to me is still a wild card contender. Yeah, see, the floor for me is wild card game. That, that's the floor. That's Man. what I have for this, this team because I, the cohesion is there. Fitz, you, you look at both coordinators still being intact. You look at the head coach. These players believe in what is being preached to them. Plus, you look at all the NFL coaches that played in the National Football League as players. They can relate to these guys and understand what they're going through. Yeah, I think that's a really interesting point by you, too, and the way the staff was built. All right, so that's the floor and the ceiling for the Lions. I still can't believe of all the weird things I've said today. Saying the phrase Lions and Super Bowl in the same uh, sentence feels like that's the thing that's going to get me killed for a very long time. Devin, who do we have next? The New England Patriots. Oh. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Okay, you want to go first on this one? Yeah, I think when I look at the ceiling, um, if miracles are worked, I would say the last spot in the playoffs in the AFC. And that's with miracles working. The floor for the New England Patriots, I think seven, eight wins. Mm, Seven, eight wins. Because the division alone, and then you look at the AFC – I think they have the fourth best quarterback. I think they're the fourth best team right now in the, in the division. I don't think they're as explosive as other teams in the AFC. So that's why I think they're kind of behind the eight ball right now. Yeah, I agree with you that they're way behind the eight ball in my mind. Uh, when you start talking about the level of talent, when you start talking about the the quarterback play, uh, the only thing that they have a huge advantage in is one big thing to have a huge advantage in, and that's they have a great coach. We all know that, but I don't trust that to be the thing that fixes absolutely everything going on. Uh, they're obviously they're in a division where I don't love their chances. Uh, and also, uh, through the course of this, they're going to have to play who? The NFC East. So they're going to have to play the Giants and the Commanders, and uh, they'll, they'll play the the Cowboys, and they'll play Philadelphia. They've got some tough opponents along the way. So I think the ceiling, like the best-case scenario for the Patriots is a seven-win team. They're, they're sort of seven and ten to me. Yeah, I, I think they're clearly in last place in their division this year. They're seven and ten. Uh, the floor... Three or four wins? 
I mean, oh, wow. Like I, I, I think the Patriots are are going to get beat repeatedly in their own division, and I know they never have before. People will, you know, Evan, Evan can't love yet with the Jets. He, he still feels like the Jets are going to find a way to lose to the Patriots. I get that. Like I understand that mentality, but I don't really care about any of that right now. I, I don't think Mac Jones is a particularly good quarterback, and I don't think that they have particularly good weapons around him. And frankly, I know last year they they had a weird year, but I need to see that change. Last year. We talked about it the other day. This was an undisciplined football team last year that yep. didn't play the way we're used to seeing them play. And I know for 25 years, Belichick has been a, a golden god. I can I can admit all of that while also saying, cool, but this year's team sucks, so you're going to get beat a lot. Like, But look, you, you notice I said for, for my ceiling, it would take a miracle mm-hmm. <laughs> for them to get the last seed mm-hmm. uh, as a wild card in the playoffs. And that's because in that miracle would have to be injuries from other teams, uh, from from key players. Because I just don't think the talent is at the level to compete on a consistent basis every week from an offensive standpoint. I like their defense. I like yeah, their defense. Their, their defense, defense was a good. top 10 defense in, in, in the National Football League last season. But when you look at uh, Aaron Rodgers, a Tua Tonga-Valoa, and also a Josh Allen, you're fighting like hell in your own division. But then when you look at the broader spectrum and you have Justin Herbert, Lamar Jackson, if he decides to stay in the, with the Ravens, which I don't think is going to happen. But Justin Herbert, uh, Joe Burrow, Patrick Mahomes, all those, Trevor Lawrence, you have a gauntlet of quarterbacks that you have to go through. With Mac Jones as your guy. I don't believe in the Patriots when it comes to that. Yeah, I, I a thousand percent we're on the same page. I think it'll take a miracle for the Patriots not to finish in fourth place in their own division. Like that's just that's where I am, presuming that obviously Aaron Rodgers goes to the Jets. But hell, even if Aaron Rodgers Zach Wilson could be the, the quarterback Evan could be the quarterback of the Jets for this year, and I still think they're gonna be better than the Patriots. The rest of their <laughs> roster is too stinking good. So I, I still believe in Buffalo, as you know. I think the Jets are gonna be better. And uh, even I'm gonna give the benefit of the doubt that Tua can stay healthy. If Tua doesn't stay healthy, they're still better. Even with a backup quarterback, they are still better than the Patriots right now. So the miracle to me would be getting to a winning record. That would be a, a miracle. I don't see that happening. More realistically, I think the Patriots are a five or six win football team this year. Oh, man. And, and, and Bill Belichick needs to make the playoffs this season, Fitz, because of what, what, what has transpired the last three years. Yeah. Right? You have one playoff appearance and the other two you don't. Now, three out of four years, if, you, if they don't go to the playoffs this season, now you're going to have those rumbles and those conversations on the back end heading into next season when it comes to Bill Belichick. Yeah, I mean, I would not be surprised at all to see the Patriots absolutely just get destroyed this year and then Belichick take some like advisor role and uh, the Patriots start moving forward. Like, I, ooh, I, nothing ooh, would surprise me out. now. Would it surprise you if the Patriots lost this year and they have an opportunity to get Caleb Williams or Drake May next year? Oh, oh, now then, then Belichick sticks around. Like, oh yeah, Caleb Williams, exactly. Yeah, then, yeah, <laughs> then Belichick sticks around. Uh, they'll have to, uh, they'll have to arm wrestle my beloved Raiders though for that topic. But I think Bill has too much pride to let this team get to that level. No, honestly. I totally agree with you. There, there is a standard to the way they do everything. I don't think he would he would lose that standard just to lose enough games to get that quarterback. All right, uh, that's a little bit of ceiling and floor. Uh, the question is, what's the ceiling and floor for one of the biggest names in the NFL draft? I am shocked to see what McShay has in his newest mock draft. We'll get him to defend it with you next. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio. Fitz and Harry, the podcast.
2023 NFL Draft. So you ready for the draft? Let's get started. Live from downtown Kansas City, Missouri. The NFL Draft is officially open. It all begins with round one, Thursday, April 27th on ESPN Radio, ESPN, and on ABC. With the first pick. Now, to a fault, I'm not a conspiracy theorist. To a fault, I'm not a person that sits here and tries to stack if this, then that scenarios together. I don't. In most of my life, I'm not somebody that sits here and tries to read between the lines. I'm very analytical and very superficial with that at times. I'm the first to admit it. The fatal flaw for me, though, is mock drafts. When I see a little trend in a mock draft, little trend could mean a big thing. Uh-oh. And we may have one. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80. Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz, we're presented by Progressive Insurance. And our buddy Todd McShay answered the bat phone for us yet again. ESPN NFL draft analyst, his newest mock is up on ESPN.com. I, like uh, all of you listening, flock to it, especially because my favorite team sucks. So every time a mock draft comes out from Todd, I want to see what my <laughs> sucky favorite team's going to do. But here's the thing, Todd. I thought that I was just going to be in my misery about the Raiders. And then I saw a little nugget. little nugget that suddenly has me thinking. Because you now have Will Levis going 14th to the Bucks, which feels like it could be the beginning of possibly a little fall. What do you think the floor is for Levis in this draft? I would say the floor is 19. You know, if the Buccaneers don't trade up, that's that's kind of the range. You, remember, listen, I, I just talked to Chris Mortensen. He still thinks Levis could be a top five pick, and he's pretty dialed in with the Colts. So maybe maybe he's the fourth overall pick. Maybe he goes to Seattle at five. I don't think if it's not a, a quarterback named Stroud or Young, I don't think Vegas is going to go quarterback. So then you get to 11 with Tennessee, 16 with Washington, and 19 with, with uh, Tampa Bay. Those seem to be the, the most likely destinations for, for the quarterbacks that, that don't go in the top two overall. So, listen, with Levis, like, you love that he's Braveheart. You know, he's got a heart of a lion. You love his mobility, his big-time arm strength. He, he's big and sturdy and, and should be durable, but he plays the quarterback position like a linebacker. He's got to protect his body better. Some of the other negatives, he's, he's obsessed with the weight room, as we saw on social media this week, kind of confirming it. And, and great, you know, he's in excellent shape. But I remember John Gruden saying to Brady Quinn, I don't want my quarterback to look like you. The reason he said that is because you want flexibility in the upper body. I, I would love to see more Tom Brady stretching for Will Levis than I, than I would him back in the weight room, getting all you know ripped up like he's going on a bodybuilding contest. So. That, that leads to, to missed layups and, and being, you know, throwing outside the strike zone and, and certain throws, especially touch throws. Then it, there's a lack of instincts in the pocket that I see. And then the turnovers, 23 interceptions the last two seasons. His third, third uh, he's all but, all but two other quarterbacks, I should say, in the Power Five, uh, threw fewer interceptions. And, and the guy behind him, Sam Hartman and, and um, Aiden O'Connell, they had at least 300 more pass attempts. So his percentage of attempt to interception is really scary. So I think, you know, with Levis, I think he needs a year to develop and, and learn, you know, kind of learn how to manage his body better and, and to understand inside the pocket what his responsibilities are. And if you're going to sit a quarterback for a year, I'd rather take Anthony Richardson and, and bet on a 6'4", 244-pounder with upper body flexibility with a 4'4", 340-yard dash. And, yes, just 13 starts, but if you're coaching him properly, like Shane Steichen would with the Indianapolis Colts, I think a year from now you could have a player that's, that's really ascending, and maybe three years from now you could have a, 
you know, a Jalen Hurts type of situation. Now, Ty, you have Hendon Hooker going 23rd to the Vikings in your mock draft. What's the highest that you think he could go, though? I think that's about as high. We've got to find out what's going on with the Lamar Jackson situation. I don't know if we'll have clarity before the draft. Um, but, it, you know, Baltimore picks one spot ahead at 22, and if they're, if they're highly confident that Lamar's not coming back, maybe you could see Hendon Hooker is a backup to Tyler Huntley for a year as he still recovers from the ACL injury and surgery that he had in November. Uh, but I, I think that's about as high. And listen, I, I have a second-round grade on Hooker, but we know with the quarterbacks, they wind up coming off the board a little earlier than the grade typically um, you know, facilitates for where they would they, – their you know, they're grade versus their draft slot. And in Hooker's situation, he's coming off a phenomenal year. Yes, it's a system that's really friendly to quarterbacks. Um, he struggled against four-man pressures, but he was great against the blitz. I mean, you can go back and forth on it. The one thing I keep getting from teams in the NFL, though, is he is acing the, the private interviews and, and, and time where they're, they're putting him on the board, going through plays at Tennessee. And even I had one team say that, you know, we, we walked through all the Tennessee stuff, and then we said, all right, take us back to Virginia Tech. And he, like, like it was yesterday, he was playing in the system, the verbiage to the checkdowns and everything. He just, he was able to recall that. And I think teams are, are intrigued by that football intelligence and, Minnesota with a with Kirk Cousins at 35 years old next season, one year left on his contract, 23rd in QBR this past season in the NFL, still struggling in big moments to deliver. It's time for Minnesota, and they've been working quietly behind the scenes on all these quarterbacks, I'm told. It's time for Minnesota to draft a quarterback that they can be married to for the next 7, 10 years. We're talking to Todd McShay, ESPN NFL draft analyst. So let me throw some chaos into this because I was reading some Peter King and he said, look, there's still a tiny outside chance that maybe the Texans don't want any of these quarterbacks and they go with the safest defensive prospect. If the Texans don't go quarterback at two, what does that do for everybody else at that point? Yeah, I talked to Peter the other day as part of the article going through the quarterbacks and he mentioned the same thing. So listen, I I think it's a stretch. I'm, you look at their quarterback situation in, in Houston, and Nick Casario, I get it. Like Maybe he passes on a quarterback. Maybe he doesn't believe in this year's guys for whatever reason, which would be, you know, he would be the odd man out. And obviously, Will Anderson having, you know, the ties with Nick, Nick Saban, and Nick Saban talks more glowingly about Will Anderson than any player I remember talking to him about in the past 20 years of having pre-draft conversations with him. So, I mean, if that happens, Arizona would be bummed that they're not getting Will Anderson but they'd be thrilled at, at the haul that they would get for that number three pick because you've got the Colts. All of a sudden, like, everyone's assuming it's, it's Stroud Young or Young Stroud 1-2. And I, I know that the Colts would be in, interested in moving to three. Vegas doesn't want to move up for any quarterback, as I mentioned, outside of Young and Stroud. So if Young's sitting there or Stroud's sitting there, now they're back in the market. Seattle sitting at five, they would have interest in moving up. Tennessee at 11, Washington 16, 19, Tampa Bay. Like You would have five or six different teams looking to put together packages real quickly to try to move up to that number two, uh, number three spot with Arizona, and the Cardinals would sit back and just take the best deal. So you, uh, you got B. John Robinson slotted to the Detroit Lions. Why do you have him going there? You know, it, it pained me. I think he's one of the best five players in the draft, and just about every personnel person in the league I talk to agrees. He's a running back, so he's going to slide a little bit. But once I got to, like, pick eight, nine, it pained me every time I, I put in a different player because I know how talented and how special Bijan can be. From 
from creating, you know, misforced tackle or forced missed tackles to his pass catching ability to his pass protection. I think he's even more skilled than Saquon Barkley coming out. And Saquon was the number two overall pick. So, you know, I had him going 18, 18 to Detroit. It made sense because they lose uh, Williams, their, their leading rusher from a year ago. He's gone. You've got uh, DeAndre Swift, who can't stay healthy, has one year left on his deal. They bring in Montgomery from Chicago, but he's only had three 100-yard rushing games the last two seasons. So, uh, to me, bringing in someone special would make sense. And I put him at 18 Detroit. I think uh, 21 to the Chargers would make sense with Austin Eckler and, and his frustration with his situation. And then the other, the other wild card to watch out for, and I think this is legitimate, the Dallas Cowboys sitting at 26, moving up into the teens to go get Bijan. Think about Bijan Robinson in the backfield with Tony Pollard, who's a perfect complement and shouldn't be a, a bell cow back, but is perfect in that 15 touch per game kind of you know, scenario. And then with Dak, Dak Prescott and the ability to catch the ball out of the backfield from, from B. John Robinson and Mike McCarthy always wanting to have that star back. You know, going back to Marshawn Lynch, he was so disappointed when they didn't draft him and they were, he was so disappointed in free agency when he came up and, and, and wound up going somewhere else. So I think that with the aggressiveness that Dallas wants to have, the playmaker they need, with Zeke leaving town, it, it, it signals to me that Dallas could be one of the teams looking to move up into the teams to take B. John Robinson. Uh, all I know is I can't wait for all of it. God, I just get more excited every time we talk to you. Todd McShay, <laughs> ESPN NFL Draft Analyst. Check out the new mock out there on ESPN.com. Doing great work, Todd. I appreciate it. When you figure out who the Raiders are going to draft, just text me so I know in advance. That's all I ask. I will, I will, bud. Appreciate you guys. <laughs> Have a good show. <laughs> I mean, oh, I like just the the amount of study that goes into the who's the whys, the whens, the hows, uh, the amount of teams they lot. talk to. It it is when you talk it's to these lot. guys off air about how much work they put into it, it's stunning. That being said, for every one of these thing, these kids that are about to be drafted, I can say one thing definitively: not a single one of them has to win a Super Bowl to be great. We'll tell about it. We'll talk about it next. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio. 2023 NFL Draft. So you ready for the draft? Let's get started. Live from downtown Kansas City, Missouri. The NFL Draft is officially open. It all begins with round one, Thursday, April 27th on ESPN Radio, ESPN, and on ABC. With the first pick. Fitz and Harry, the podcast. See, this is the whole thing. Like, you can go out and show individual greatness at what you do, and just because you're in a situation where maybe one of your teammates lets you down, maybe the coach lets you down, maybe somebody's not healthy at the right time, maybe something just goes haywire. Like, there are too many variables in a championship that you simply can't control individually. We, as a society, get bored talking about the X's and O's, so we make the championship all of the conversation. But then we turn around and we belittle the championships from the 60s and 70s. We turn around and belittle the accomplishments from previous generations because because that wasn't what we're seeing right now. So we pick and choose where champions matter, where championships matter, where championships don't. The fact is, if you are individually dominant at what you do, then you are one of the greatest of all time, whether you get a ring from it or not. Three hours later. Da, 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 da. 
Spin a reggae Tuesday on Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80. Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz. By the way, you can see us, not just in the ESPN app where you usually see us every single day, but on Thursday, 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 HD and I going on first take. Harry, this is usual real estate for you. Harry's already like, he's got a personalized parking spot when he walks up to Seaport. They, they know <laughs> his latte order. They've got everything for <laughs> Get out of here. He walks in, they're like, Mr. Douglas, your makeup chair is ready. I am not, let me ask you, I, I know we got to talk about legacy, but I got to ask you this, uh, uh-huh. just so I know what I'm up against. Uh, are we going like tie, full suit and tie? Or are you going to go like with the usual, like super, like the, the shirts unbuttoned, you're showing off just a little bit of the sexy, like, like what are no, we doing? No, I was, I was going to wear a tie Thursday. We're going to wear a tie Thursday. Okay. All right. Now I know. But, but, no, but, but it's up. No, you, you tell me. No, 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 you no. know what? Let's let's rock the tie. Let's rock the tie. We'll let's rock, rock the, the tie. tie. Okay, I, you know, I, I'm all in for it. Like I, I've, I've had the suit picked out, but I've also like in case we went a little unbuttoned, I, I was ready for it. I'm ready hey, well, for you it. know, either way it go, baby. I mean, I'm gonna be sexy. <laughs> either way it go. A, like, look, first takes never look better than it's gonna look on Thursday. I can't promise that the content's gonna be any good, but we've never looked better. That that oh, I oh no, our content gonna be. Oh no, yeah, point. no, that is fair. We gonna be on point. Uh, and, and look, I, Fitz and Harry, by the way, brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook. Make every moment more. Uh, good. I all right, I'm gonna rock the I'm gonna rock the full suit. You know, I just got to figure out which uh, which shirt we're gonna go with. I'm excited about this. Uh, we will be together on first take arguing. We were arguing earlier today about legacy, and I will say this because if you listen to us enough, you know that a lot of times we agree on things. Where we disagree on this is pretty nuanced. It's pretty small. Yeah. I think we do agree uh, at the end of the day. Like I agree with you that for certain players. Uh, the championships have to be a part of it. Like Joe Montana, 4-0 in Super Bowls. That has to be a credit. You have to get a credit for it. Uh, and and I think we agree that there are there are sorry teams on sorry players on championship teams that don't deserve a lot of credit. For yeah. me, I just where this whole argument started was Chris Paul because what's interesting to me is that Chris Paul has no championships. And the conversation came up: if he won one, does that change his legacy? To me. It doesn't. Like, I already see Chris Paul as phenomenal. I see him as one of the greats of all time. So if he goes from zero championships to one championship, the context of how he won the championship, all of these other things, like, it's cool. He deserves it. I want the player to get it. I'm just not going to see him differently if he doesn't get it. Well, I'll say this about Chris Paul. So for him and and his legacy, right, uh, if, if you look at, you know, the greatest point guards in NBA history, I have Chris Paul slightly on the outside looking in of the top five. If he's able to get a championship on his resume, then I probably would put him at number five on on that list. So that's what I think a championship would mean for him because I don't believe that the Phoenix Suns can win a championship without Chris Paul being solid, though. I I, I do believe that. I like agree. If they're able to win a championship this season, let's just say hypothetically he – you know, they're playing against the Milwaukee Bucks. Well, the last time those two teams played, Drew Holiday got the best of Chris Paul. And also, I don't think Chris Paul can be mediocre if he's going against the Boston Celtics or even the Philadelphia 76ers. So in order for the Phoenix Suns to win a championship, and I know they have Kevin Durant, and I know they have DeAndre Booker, but Chris Paul has to be solid from the point guard position as well in route to winning that championship. Uh, you're right. I don't think a half-ass effort from any team in the West will beat a team in the East in the NBA Finals. I, I just do not believe that. I believe the East is better than the West 
top, like when we're talking about the best of the best, I would take any of the best of the best from the East over the best of the best from the West. Having said that, I think my hard part, even for the, the legacy conversation for Chris Paul, is that, okay, he wins one. Well, using just an arbitrary example, but Magic Johnson is ahead of him on the list. Magic Johnson has how many championships? Like when you go up and down the list of the greatest point guards of all time, they all have a, just a boatload of championships so if they all have got, more you championships Magic, you got Os- oscar robertson you got um isaiah thomas who am i missing y'all steph curry all have more championships uh jerry west i mean i i, I don't know how do but he would have to leave for all jerry to me though I, I mean like i don't know how we're supposed to this is again stockton uh, doesn't have any championships this is part of my overwhelming difficulty sometimes with these conversations like Jerry West played so differently in such a different era with such Thanks. a different style. I don't even know how to compartmentalize that against what we see now. And I, like, so did Oscar Robinson, right? And I think that's that's a difficult part of the conversation for both. But Oscar Robinson was dominant with his, though. I mean, he, he was he was dominant in that position. It was just such. Hey, a, Oscar won what three? I think Oscar. How many how many championships did Oscar Robinson win? The, uh, I don't, uh, well, we'll look it up. Uh, I the one thing I would say here is like. This is why sometimes the top five conversation, this is why I'm the first to admit sometimes, you know, my my legacy, oh, they're holding up one. He won one. And I oh, thought he won, he won more, more than I one. I thought he won more than one. Right, well, then we can put him up. Uh, we can put him up. Uh, Chris Paul goes there. You know, listen, I mean, uh, I don't know. It gets This gets really difficult. And it's why I put everything on shelves like liquor, not just because I drink too much, but also because like sometimes it's easier just to say, hey, this shelf can have a bunch of top shelf. Like I say this, Chris Paul is a top shelf career point guard whether he's top five or not. You know what I mean? Like, oversimplification, though, Harry. I'm the first to admit it. Uh, and now that we've kumbaya uh, all the gloves will come off, though, and I will, uh, I, I'm will. i going to beat you down and embarrass you on Thursday. That's my goal, is to beat you down. And, Get the hell out of here. Yeah, you know, the, the funniest thing is that everybody that listens to the show will think we're fighting, and then they'll just realize afterwards that all we're going to do is, you know, have a Pepsi and smi- Sprite and smile exactly. about it. Kenny and Carlin coming up next. They never fight. Thanks for hanging out with us. to the Fitz and Harry podcast. You can listen to the guys live weekdays from noon to 3 Eastern on ESPN Radio. And you can watch on the ESPN app.